Today I want to speak on worship. I want to speak on worship. There's some familiar story here in Luke chapter number 8 that I want to uh, open up with and talk about. But there's some keys that I want to bring out about worship here today. Um, and I pray that it is a blessing unto you. In Luke chapter number 8, verse number 26, the scripture says that, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes. This is being Jesus and his disciples. The Bible says, which is over against Galilee, and when he was and when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, the scripture says, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Most high, I beseech you, or beseech thee, torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devils into the wilderness. I want us to look at this here because we understand this story that here was a man that was in the tombs, the scripture lets us know that the people of that territory placed him there in the tombs and they bound him with fetters and with chains or shackles and with chains. And the scripture says that he broke them. He broke the bands and he broke the fetters and the chains often. Now, this story is found in Luke chapter eight and is also found in the book of Mark. Now, something we notice here, if you can put back up that scripture, I want you to go to verse number 28. The scripture says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. Now, if you was to go to Mark chapter number five, verse number six, the scripture says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and somebody say worshiped and he worshiped him. Now, many times many of us that have heard this story taught, heard this story preached, we've heard it to where that the man ran to Jesus, fell down, and worshiped him. We talk about how, and it's, it sounds, and it's really for good preaching, that when Jesus shows up, if you would just run to him and worship, anything is possible. Now, we know that to be true. Anytime you're in the presence of the Lord, Anytime you have an opportunity to run to Jesus and worship, we know that results will follow. Now, we see that in this story, that the man, the Bible says, he saw Jesus, ran to him, and worshiped. But now, here's the interesting thing, is that who actually ran to Jesus? Was it the man, or was it the demons? Because we must understand this, that when he got to Jesus, the Bible says that he cried with a loud voice in Luke chapter number 8, verse number 28. It says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with thee? Now, if the man would have ran to Jesus, fell down and worshiped him, that would not have been the first things out of his mouth. 
because we know that if we have a need from the Lord, we're going to fall down and worship him saying, where have you been my whole life? Not what do you have to do with me right now? And so now we see here where this man did not have control of himself because the scripture says that he oftentimes cut himself. He would oftentimes cut himself. And anybody that is cutting themselves, they're trying to kill themselves. And anyone that has that frame of mind is not in their right mind. Now we know that this man, let's go on with Bible here, that this man was not in his right mind. Because if we understand the story that after Jesus cast the demons who they referred to themselves as legion, for we are many, after he cast them out and put them into the swine, and the Bible says the swine ran off vehemently into the sea, that the scripture lets us know that the man was now found in his right mind and he was clothed. The scripture says he was clothed and in his right mind. So therefore, we know he wasn't in his right mind so that the demons had control of this man. Now, this is interesting here that if we really look at this, now we see where the devil, the demons knew who Jesus was. So even if this man didn't know who Jesus was, the devils knew who he was. So the devils recognized that authority has just showed up on our shore. And they realize that now we don't have dominion here because someone greater that has the dominion has showed up on our territory. And see, that's what happens when you come into contact, when you come into an atmosphere where you know that you are not in authority, where you are not the supreme being, you will fall down and worship. Amen. For the Bible says, just to prove my point even more, in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it doesn't matter who it is or what it is. When you come into the presence of the Lord, you have no choice but to humble yourself and worship. Some ought to clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. So it is important that we have an atmosphere of worship. Because when we have an atmosphere of worship, when we have a lifestyle of worship, the things that trouble your heart, the things that take place in your life will submit to the authority that is greater in your life. But if you don't have an authority in your life that is greater, the spirits that run rampant in your home will continue to run rampant in your home. If you wonder why I'm dealing with so many troubles, if you wonder why I'm fighting up against so many things, I challenge you to look at your worship. I challenge you to look at your submissiveness. I challenge you to look at how often you are giving him glory that you may decrease so that God can increase. Because I promise you, when the Lord increases in your home, the devil must go. He must go. The scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if you entertain the spirits that are taking place, they will become bold. That's what happens. That's what takes place. So I want to talk to you today about the importance of worship. You know, there are a lot of services that some people refer to them as seeker services. 
where we have a service and we're intentionally trying to draw people to the church service. We've heard of Family and Friends Day. We've heard of church anniversaries where we'll reach out and contact all the people that have been connected to the church. And we try to reach out to them to say, hey, come celebrate our 80th year anniversary. Come celebrate our 20th, 50th, 60th. Try to get those that were once here to hopefully come back into the house of the Lord. Uh, we also know that anytime we serve food, that brings out everybody. <laughs> huh? Am I preaching right now? I can say this Sunday we're going to have a fish fry and the whole city will show up. COVID-19 and all, they here. They ain't worried about uh, six feet distance then, praise God. You say food, we there. People call those seeker services where we're trying to seek different ones. Church, I, I hear me and hear me well. I want to talk to you today about the importance of worship. And I want to talk to you from this standpoint, is that this church has seeker services every Sunday. Every Sunday we are seeking people. Every Sunday we are seeking after the people that are hurting, that are wanting, that are needing. I'm gonna say that again, every Sunday is a seeker service. We should not have to call a special service for us to be in the right frame of mind to be on the lookout for people that say, you need Jesus, I know how you can get him. You need Jesus, I know where you can find him. Every Sunday should be a seeker service. Somebody will say amen. amen. So I want to talk to you today about 12, what I call convictions of worship. And what I like to call the 12 things of unlocking the miraculous through worship. There are 12 keys that will unlock the miraculous through worship. Now, I don't think we're going to get through all 12, but with the help of the Lord, I'm going to try to get through at least seven, all right? At least six or seven of them, because I want to take my time here, and if we have to pick it back up next week, we'll pick it back up. But there are at least 12 things that can unlock the miraculous through worship. Here's the first one. Number one, only believers can truly worship. For the Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We magnify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in worship by expressing our love and commitment to him. Unbelievers cannot do this. We believe there are many appropriate ways to express our love to God. These include praying, singing, thanking, listening, giving, testifying, trusting, obeying his word, among many others. God, not man, is the focus and, to, and the center of our worship. God, not man, is the focus and the center of our worship. So the first thing is, is that only believers can truly worship God. The second thing is, you don't need a building to worship God. For the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse number 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with, uh, with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly 
worship. Him declare I unto you. For the Bible says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. The Lord does not need anything artificial for you to say that I'm worshiping him. All he wants is your true worship that comes in spirit and in truth. For the Bible says, or excuse me, excuse me, before I get to Matthew chapter 18, there is no building or lack of one should ever be allowed to control, limit, or distract people from worshiping God. Your worship should never be contained within these four walls. But your worship should go with you everywhere you go. Why? Because he is with you everywhere that you go. So it is important that your worship does not get limited within the four walls. If you have a worship within the four walls and that is it, then you have religion and not relationship. Religion will not get you into heaven. Relationship will. Somebody hear me right now. It won't get you there. Many will say in that day, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I healed the sick in your name. But Jesus said, I never knew you. Because all they had was religion. They never had a relationship. Amen? Matthew 18 and 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Hallelujah. The third key is this. There is no correct style of worship. Now remember, I'm talking to you. This is going to unlock the miraculous in your life because how to unlock the miraculous is knowledge, is understanding. Many people don't receive the miraculous in their life because they lack, somebody say, understanding. There is no correct style of worship. Jesus only gave two requirements for legitimate worship. It must be done in spirit and in truth. Regardless of style, true worship employs both your right brain and your left brain. It engages both emotion and intellect, your heart and your mind. We must worship in spirit and in truth. Don't ever allow anybody to try to intimidate you based on the way that you worship. Don't ever allow anybody to intimidate you based on the way that you worship. Don't ever allow anyone to try to say that's all emotion. No, the emotion comes from the intellect that I have about the Savior that I serve. I don't jump up and down because I don't know why I'm jumping up and down, but the scripture says that we leap for joy. Hallelujah. I don't just dance because I just feel like dancing and showing off. No, the Bible says that we are to dance before the Lord. Dance before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, yes. So it's important that it takes both emotion and intellect that we must understand why we do what we do. Amen? Now, there's going to be some young people and some of our children that don't quite understand, but they're just mimicking. And that's okay to mimic. 
It's okay to, to mimic other people in their worship and what they do until they gain understanding. See, there's some things that you're just going to do just based on what you see. And you may feel something and you move based off how you feel. And you're not quite sure, like, what's... Let me, let me stop my jiggling right now before my wife get on me. But you... Huh? You, yeah, you, you just, like, hey, what's... Uh-huh, you're like... I, I, you know, you, you ever been in a service and someone come up to you that didn't quite have the understanding? Man, I, I, I just feel good. I, I didn't know. I said, I said, well, go ahead then. Your, well, I don't know what we're doing right now, but it just felt so good. They was feeling the miraculous. That's what they were feeling. They were feeling the power of an almighty God. Hallelujah. That's what that was. They just lacked the intellect. See, if people understood what we understand, they would be dancing and jumping and running just like we do. Hallelujah. That's why when people come to a church like ours and they see the movement, the shaking, the waving, the clapping, they're not, why is this going on? Because I'm used to more of a quiet setting. I'm used to more of a sit down, listen and learn. But no, you don't know. God brought me out. You just don't understand what I've been through and the ways, the roads that I've been down. If you only knew. If you only knew my story. Amen. I heard someone say, if you can't tell it, let me tell it. What the Lord has done for me. Praise God. Praise God. And so it is vital that we don't allow anybody to try to dumb down how you worship. There is no correct style of worship as long as you do it in spirit. Somebody say with understanding. That's truth. You got to do it in truth. You do it with understanding. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. The fourth thing, unbelievers can watch believers worship. Unbelievers can watch believers worship. Unbelievers can observe the joy that we feel. They can see how we value God's word, how we respond to it, and how the Bible answers the problems and questions of life. They can notice how worship encourages, how worship strengthens, and how worship changes us. It is even possible for them to sense when God is supernaturally moving in a service, although they won't be able to explain it. People can sense it. You've been to a church. That, now, we're not talking about CMT because we're, we're, we're full of love, full of joy, full of the spirit. You've been places where you're like, Nah, this, this isn't it. This, 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 this isn't it. They got the right name on the sign, but this isn't it. Oh, I, oh, I'm preaching now. That's why it doesn't matter what the name on the sign is. Are you saying what thus saith the Lord? Amen. You, you, you better stick to that Bible and all of it, too. Don't leave out Romans because you don't like Romans. Don't re leave out Ephesians because no, no, I don't know. I don't want to be submissive to my husband now. I mean, that's that's that Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna just tear that out. I don't, 
I don't like all that submissive stuff. Oh, I'm a te- I may have to teach on that, praise God. Uh-huh, yeah. No, we got to take the whole loaf. Amen? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can be somewhere. You can walk in somewhere, and within the first five minutes, this is it. There's something different about this place. There's something different in the atmosphere here. There's something taking place. There's something happening. I want, you, I want to tell you, I want to let you in on a little secret. It's the people. Uh-huh, yeah, y'all was waiting to say, oh, it's God. No, it's the people. Because the Lord is everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, though, there am I in the midst. See, you got to be in spirit and in truth. You got to be there for the right reason. You got to be there for the right cause. Because you can show up in church, but that doesn't mean God is going to manifest his power in that place. But when you come for the right reason, when you come not to acknowledge other people, but when you come lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, you come magnifying the Lord, that's when God shows up. Hallelujah. That's when he manifests himself. That's when you walk in somewhere and say, oh, there's something different here. Because there's something different about the individuals. They come here with the right mindset. They come here in the right frame of mind saying, I've come to worship him in spirit and in, somebody say, truth. Amen. The fifth thing. Yeah, I'm only going to get through a few of these. (laughs) The fifth thing. Worship is a powerful witness to unbelievers if God's presence is felt, and if the message is understandable. Oh, y'all better write that one down, boy. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Worship is a powerful witness to unbelievers if God's presence is felt and if the message is understandable. In Acts chapter number 2 on the day of Pentecost, God's presence was so evident in the disciples' worship that it attracted the attention of unbelievers throughout the entire city. We know it must have been a big crowd. Why? Because 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Why were 3,000 people converted? Because they felt God's presence. And they understood the message. It took both. It took both. They felt the presence of God, and then they understood the message that was preached. That's why they can say, men and brethren, what shall we do? Few people, if any, are converted to Christ on purely intellectual grounds. It is the sense of God's presence that melts the heart and explodes mental barriers. Church, if you could trust me to deliver the message in an understandable way, then I must trust you to create the atmosphere for the supernatural. If you think that people, the large majority of people, let me say that, come to the church And they are convinced that this is the right church because of the preaching of the pastor, you're mistaken. Because within the first five minutes, they've already evaluated the church. They've evaluated within the first five 
to seven minutes based on atmosphere, feel, am I comfortable? Do, do they like me? Do I like them? Oh, I know I'm talking. Long before the preacher even steps to the platform, they've evaluated the atmosphere. So church, if you trust me to deliver the message in an understandable way, I've got to trust you to come into the house of the Lord, worshiping the right way in spirit and in truth, with the right mindset, with the right attitude. Amen? We must come ready to allow God to do whatever he chooses to do. See, it takes both of us. It takes both of us. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, it does. You must create an atmosphere to where people are saying there's something different around here. And now when the people come, their hearts are being prepared. So then when a man of God steps behind the podium, he begins to deliver the word of God. And then their hearts receive what the man of God is saying because the atmosphere has been set. But if we don't come in here with the right mindset, with the right attitude, with the right worship, their heart is hardened. They're already thinking about, I'm never coming here again. Oh, I wish I could talk to a church today. Amen. It's important. Worship is a powerful witness to unbelievers if God's presence is felt. If God's presence is felt. I'm going to say that again. If God's presence is felt. If God's presence isn't felt, we might as well just go back home. Why, why come? What draws you then? Religion? What, what's the drawing point? If there's no presence of God, what's the drawing point? Yeah, I, I can stay home. Amen? Yes. We, 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 we can stay home. But when we feel the presence of the Lord, that's what draws. That's what causes me. I got to get ready for church. I got to. Where's my... Where's my socks at? Where the, what's, I got to get ready to go to the house. That was my way of showing off my socks. Then why, how, I, I, I got to get ready to go to the house of the Lord because I'm ready. I'm ready to see what's going to happen. I want to see who's going to be baptized. I want to see who's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I want to see. Yeah. I want to see what's going to take place. And I want to help create an atmosphere to where whoever walks in those doors, I don't know who it is, but so they can feel what we feel. And they can feel what we know. Amen? Because they don't quite know it yet. But soon and very soon. We, all right. I, put my, I got my clip back. I got my clip. Let's move on. The sixth thing. God expects us to be sensitive to the fears, hang-ups, and needs of unbelievers when they are present in our worship service. Oh, boy, oh boy. I love when I teach messages like this and you got a half a house. Oh boy, I need a whole house here on this, on this lesson. But the Lord knows, doesn't he? God expects us to be sensitive to the fears, hang-ups, and needs of unbelievers when they are present in our worship service. Let me dive into this for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse 22. And it says, wherefore, tongues are for a, somebody say sign. sign. Tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe. 
but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and everybody starts speaking in tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say these people are mad? <laughs> these crazy folks. What are they doing? What's going on here? They're coming. Nah, I'll, go, I'll go to the church down the street. <laughs> I don't walk through to the wrong place. Huh? We must be sensitive to those things. Can I, can I explain this on, on, can I get down even a little, can I dig a little deeper? So if we go pray for someone and you don't know who they are or a guest or someone that we're not familiar with, we don't lay hands on them and just start speaking in tongues. Because I'll say, get, get your hand off me. Or I would think, are you about to pray now? Because I don't know what you just said. Amen? Uh, I'm trying to give it to you plain today. I want to give it to you plain. Now, if we go lay hands on one another, that's a different story. Because we understand that tongues maketh intercession for us. When we don't even know what to say, we can pray in the Holy Ghost. And it can intercede on our behalf. That's scripture. Amen? But if you go to somebody they don't quite understand, you yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, what? your hand off of me or what are you talking about we've got to use wisdom amen you've got to use wisdom yeah use wisdom so we have to be sensitive to those things if you feel like the Lord is leading you to go talk to someone or go to pray to someone yes because if he's leading you he's going to give you what to say are you hearing me he's going to give you what to say he'll tell you exactly what to say and what the need is amen and I want to empower everyone that is here, everybody. There's not one person who I'm leaving out right now. Everybody that's here. Even the one I put to sleep over there, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Osmosis, praise God. Uh, hear me. If the Lord deals with you, move. Don't hesitate. All right? Don't, don't you ever be afraid. Don't ever be afraid or ashamed. If God moves upon you to go talk to someone or encourage someone, move. Say it. If it's words of encouragement and uplifting, whatever, uh, the, whoever the individual is, go. Amen? Amen. Female go to female, male go to male. If you're a female and you feel like you have a word for a male, well, you better grab another male to go with you. Amen? All right. Paul was concerned about placing stumbling blocks in front of unbelievers. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32 says, give none offense. Don't put a stumbling block in the way. That's what that's saying. Don't put a stumbling block in the way. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. And the seventh principle here, and I will stop here. This is my last principle that I want to talk about. We'll continue it on next Wednesday. A worship service does not have to be shallow 
to be seeker sensitive. The message doesn't have to be compromised, just understandable. A worship service does not have to be shallow to be seeker sensitive. The message doesn't have to be compromised, just understandable. Church, people want the truth. That's what they want. They want the truth. Those that are searching for truth will find truth. That's why Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Church, I'm telling you, if you expect the man of God to stand behind the platform and give it to them straight and tell the Bible like it is and give them the truth and not cookie cutter around or sugarcoat it or water it down, then we expect the people of God to give all that they have in worship. Why do we expect how can one expect the people of God to just kind of halfway go through it, not give our all in our worship, not be worshiping in spirit and in truth, not giving our all from our heart unto him, but then we expect the preacher to lay down the law. The preacher should be able to come to the platform, lay down the law, however the Lord guides him and directs him, and the people should be ready to receive it because the hearts are ready, because of the atmosphere that has been set. Amen. I'm telling you the truth right now. I'm telling you what I know. That when we come to the house of the Lord, I want us to get ready and be ready to worship. I'm asking the church and I'm praying that the church will shift their mindsets when it comes to Sunday morning service. I'm telling you now, that on Sunday mornings, we have most of our guests and our visitors. Oftentimes in the church that we have grew up in, Sunday mornings has been more calm, and then Sunday evenings is a little bit more lively. I'm telling you right now, that should not be the case. Because if your guests are coming on Sunday mornings, they are coming in here expecting a certain environment. Because somebody has heard about the environment that takes place on the corner of Creasy and Union. And when they walk in here, they're not expecting, they're not wanting a watered down apostolic church. They're wanting to see, they're wanting to feel, they're wanting to know what is real, what is happening in this place. But yet if we come in here with the mindset that I'll, I'll give my all tonight. Oh no, 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 no. Uh-uh. We come in here on Sunday morning ready to worship, ready to lift our hands, ready to shout hallelujah, ready to clap our hands, ready to say preach the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm challenging the people of God that when we come on Sunday mornings, we come with the right mindset to worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, preacher, you're hurting me right now. I understand. Uh, yeah, we may have to go to bed just a half hour earlier. I understand. Uh, we may have to set those alarm clocks a little bit differently. We may have to drink a couple extra cups of coffee. Whatever we need to do, we need to do it for people. Because every Sunday is a seeker Sunday. Every Sunday is a seeker Sunday. And that environment is created through worship. That's where it's at. God help us to worship.
Help us, Lord. Change our minds, change our hearts to where we look at Sunday morning differently than Sunday night. Help us, God, to worship. That's all it is. It's worship. If you plant someone in a Sunday morning service, you plant someone in a Sunday night service, it's worship. That's what it is. It's a decision of worship. It has nothing to, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, I'm just knocking all the myth busters. We just, we just go get rid of all of them. All of them. It has nothing, it, 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 it has, you know, younger crowd, younger crowd, this, that, young, no, no, no. It's just worship. That's all, that's all. It's just worship. That's all it is. It, it has nothing to do with activity. Are you hearing me? It has nothing to do with activity. Ooh, I wish I could preach this thing. Nothing to do with activity. It has everything to do with just worship. In spirit and in truth. When you do it in spirit and in truth, that's when we unlock the miraculous. That's when the Lord says, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're wanting manifestation. <laughs> they're wanting to see the glory of the Lord. <laughs> they're wanting to go beyond. <laughs> they're ready to push forward because we are worshiping. Let's lift our hands unto the Lord right now. Come on, let a spirit of worship just come in this place. <laughs> let a spirit of worship saturate you right now. <laughs> let a spirit of worship overwhelm you right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, help us, O oh God, to be filled with true worship. Help us, O oh God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, move upon us right now. Help us, God. In the name of Jesus, every time we come into your house, we may give you true worship. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, we may move in this place with true worship, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, clapping our hands, being joyful unto the Lord. Help us, God, right now. We thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Come on and magnify him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's all in our worship. Church, I'm not asking for a hand raised, but I'm asking you to look within yourself, that you make a commitment to yourself unto the Lord. I'm coming to church to worship. I'm worshiping him in spirit and in truth. The emotion, the intellect. I have an understanding. Scripture says sing with understanding. We have an understanding. We understand, we know. Therefore, we worship. I'm telling you, we've got to push. Because seekers, unbelievers, are waiting, they're looking, they're watching. And they want change. People want change, but they want right change. Right change comes through truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's the only way. It's through truth. 
Amen. Amen. A man of God should never have to come up here and <laughs> just to break down the walls because worship wasn't taking place. Worship should already be removing those walls. The man of God should come to the platform and say, my God, I feel good in here. I, I feel a freedom to be able to speak and say, and I'm not fighting against this spirit and that demon and this, that, and that, because worship would have put him out. Amen. But we, uh, uh, uh. no, uh-uh. This Sunday, church, let's worship. We have an evangelist coming uh, this Sunday. This is just, by the way, of announcement. Evangelist coming this Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Let's, let's start it. We worship. We, church, I, I, I'm challenging us to shift the culture. And I know, I, I know this is going to take a while. I'm going to keep teaching on this, okay? I know in order to shift the culture, you cannot just teach it just one time and expect that whole thing to shift. I've got to continue to teach on this. I know it, and I'm not afraid. I'm going to teach on this because we got to turn the tide when it comes to how we approach Sunday morning differently to Sunday evening. We got to turn that tide. And we're not turning it for, listen, church, church, church. We're not turning it for our sake. We're turning it for the seeker, for the unbeliever. That is why we need to turn that tide. That's why we need to turn it. Amen. So that they can see, they can feel, they can know there's something different. There's something. I, I, I can't quite explain it, but I don't know what it is. And then the man of God comes and explains what they feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then we can have people saying, brother, preacher, what shall I do to be saved? That's when the preacher can say, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some ought to say amen. Amen, amen. Do it, Lord. Do it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet as we dismiss.